welcome back to another episode of Making Room with me, your host, Marley Martin. I am so blessed and so beyond excited to be here with you all and to have this space to share with you and just be vulnerable with one another. Today's topic, I feel like the Lord has put on my heart, and it's certainly something that I have encountered firsthand. And I want to just kind of touch on it, be vulnerable, and create a space for you to open up and kind of address this if this is something you faced as well. Today's topic is on spiritual or religious intimidation. And we're going to go ahead and, as always, dive right in. The concept of comparison is something that we have all experienced, and I think it truly begins at a really young age when we're trying to decipher what is fair and what is not fair. Well, this isn't fair. Well, that's not fair. And it's through the lens of fairness, but in reality, it's this comparison of, does this person have what I think I deserve? So on and so forth. And so I believe that as we age and as we get older, it begins to become more of a comparison on body image, on our spiritual journeys, on our incomes, on the families that we're choosing to develop. Whether we choose to be married early at a younger age or wait, If we choose to have kids right out of the gate or we choose to wait, there's this constant comparison. And I was a part of a company and a business where we had a lot of mentors and people we could look up to and ask questions who had been in the company longer than us. And one thing that I remember hearing and seeing and shared was this concept of, are you intimidating? Am I intimidating or is the other person just intimidated? And that really stood out to me and caused me to do a lot of um, self-reflection, to be honest, and to also be more confident in myself and my my why and why I do certain things, my reasoning, what motivates me. Is it to intimidate other people to have a certain status, to have a certain income, to have a certain job title? Or is it to self-fulfill, to reflect the heart of God? What is your intentions? And I think more than anything, when we start comparing ourselves to others, intentions is something that should always, always be Um, not only considered, but evaluated. It's not often that we walk up to someone and say, hey, um, what are your intentions on trying to make so much money? Um, Is it to make me feel like a crap pile or is it to better yourself and your future and your family? For some reason, again, speaking for myself in the past for sure, and even some now, I have these negative assumptions. And of course, this other person is not like, hey, I'm going to go get this job title or, hey, I'm going to be a stay-at-home mom because we can afford for me to be a stay-at-home mom. Somehow, I find myself envious of that. There's also people who have jobs that have better incomes than me. I'm also envious of them. So which is it? Which do I wish I was? Whose shoes do I wish I was walking in? And I think considering people's intentions is always so extremely important. And again, to reflect on this idea of, is that person intimidating or is what they're sharing and the life that they're living, is their intent behind that to make others feel insecure? I'm sure there's people out there that do have ill intent behind their actions, but I'd also be willing to bet with my benefit of the doubt minded self that more times than not, people present themselves in a way from a genuine place. And so... I think it is interesting to reflect on my own spiritual journey and what that has looked like for me and those times in my life where I did feel spiritually or religiously maybe even intimidated by the people around me, my peers. I also want to introduce the concept of maybe insecurities being a supplemental word for intimidated. I think as I reflect myself that a lot of times when I feel 
intimidated by someone else's spirituality and the way that they express that in their lives, it's actually stemming from a place of my own insecurities and the places where I know or perceive that I have lack in my spiritual journey and in my spiritual life. In college, I specifically remember this beginning to develop a little more. Um, For me, I was not one who was very involved in high school and a lot of spiritual activities based in my church, my community, things like that. I think that my personal diocese here in Lake Charles has done a phenomenal, phenomenal job of opening so many spiritual, religious opportunities to kids at such a younger age. I know that the diocese hosts a diocesan youth conference each year. They have recently opened and established our own youth retreat center. Um, We've got so many wonderful things. They have an actual core team, which essentially is people from across the diocese of the same age as high schoolers who can come together and say, this is what my parish could benefit from. This is what my parish could benefit from. Let's work together and put on some really awesome um, activities and things for our peers to attend because we know what people our age are interested in and what they're going to relate to, and we can present it in a way that's appealing to them. And so I just shout out to the Diocese of Lake Charles and Um, The director of the youth ministry program, they just do phenomenal work. Um, However, that's not something I either was exposed to or was aware of when I was in high school. So for me, this all kind of began to unravel when I got into college. And I saw some of my peers wearing a veil in mass. And my initial thoughts were something along the lines of, what is she doing? Why is she wearing that? Who does she think she is? Is she, I mean, obviously I'm not wearing one of those and she is, it makes her look holier. She must be holier. She must be further along in her spiritual journey. I bet we don't have anything in common. I would never relate to someone like that. And I would avoid them at all costs because I knew where I was at personally. And I knew where they appeared to be and where I assumed that they were. And so I personally created space and distance from creating relationships and bonding with these people when that probably could not have been further from the truth. Another thing I remember witnessing that really brought me back to those same emotions was the first time I saw a really good friend of mine um, that I had lost touch with at a young age. Um, fast forward, we're in college, and I, we happened to be at the same mass early one morning. And I remember seeing her kneel down to receive Holy Communion during the Catholic Mass and thinking, wow, Good for her. She's really done so much with her life. That's so beautiful. It also slows the line down. What is she doing? But good for her. It appeared to me to be a visual sign of how holy she was. It also sparked a desire in me to be more open to veiling, to kneeling to receive communion, to speaking more freely and openly about my faith journey. And I intentionally went to a mass where I knew I wouldn't know anyone. And could kneel to receive communion. And if I, if it didn't work out, if it didn't feel right in my heart and in my soul, then I would never do it again. It was a safe space because no one at this church knew me. I knew no one. If they judged me, I'd never see them again. That was the plan. I go up for communion. I kneel down to receive the body and blood, soul and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when the priest held up the Eucharist and said, the body of Christ, because I was kneeling, my head was so... Um, tilted upward. My face was tilted upward to receive. And as I said, amen, and he placed Jesus onto my tongue, I remember streaming tears rolling down my face on my way back to um, my pew. 
And it was such an encounter with Christ in such an intimate way that for me humbled my heart. My posture reflected this humility and this honor that I have towards this King that I honor and worship and praise. And that's what I'm there to do. And to, for me, it was, I mean, I have goosebumps right now telling this story to you guys, but it was so humbling to encounter Christ in that way. Because if He is who He says He is, and I say that I believe that, wouldn't I bow before Him? Wouldn't I humble myself before my King? Wouldn't I make myself small in a way to glorify His greatness and His magnitude of who He is? And as I cried in my pew, I remember thinking, shame on you for judging someone else and where they are and how they navigate their spiritual life. And praying over myself and thinking, you don't have to be a certain level of holiness. This is not a Nintendo game where you have to accumulate a certain number of points or accomplish a certain amount of things in your spiritual life to be worthy to kneel before the Lord. It is the sinners who are most welcomed into the church. The church across the board, not just the Catholic church, but I would say especially the Catholic church, is a place that highlights a spiritual healing The Catholic Church, it is so beautiful because there's actually a priest who has taken an old ambulance and turned it into a confessional. And we will take it onto campuses and hear confessions because confession is a spiritual surgery. It's this going in and removing what is not good for the soul and refreshing it and renewing it and filling it with healing and things that are good. And so that was the first encounter that really opened my mind to not judging others and to really building myself up and saying, it doesn't matter where you are, you're equally worthy to participate. You're equally welcome, you're equally loved. And how you do that is not a reflection of where you are, but maybe where you hope to be and how you view God. It's not even about you, Marley. It's really not. Me kneeling to receive communion has nothing to do with who I am and it has everything to do with who Jesus Christ is. And that's a concept that I had never considered when I watched that friend and began to judge her and feel insecurities of my own and allowed myself to be intimidated by her spirituality. I will say that I have not begun to veil in mass. Um, That is not a bridge I have crossed yet. However, it's something that I've considered trying out just as I did kneeling for communion. Um, I really can't speak on the reasonings behind it. I haven't done my research. I don't know. I know that the women in the Bible had these head coverings and wore these veils, and it was a way to hide a woman's beauty that her hair is and brings to the table. Um, It's also a way, I've heard it described by some of my friends who wear veils, that it's almost like when a racehorse puts on their, um, I don't know the t- proper word, but their their mask where it has the cups on the side of their eyes and it helps them to narrow in on what is ahead. The task before them, the same way a racehorse wears this to focus on what is ahead and to not distract them by what's going on on either side of them. I've heard women describe it that way, that it really um, focuses their heart again to who Jesus is and why they're there and to just keep their focus to the front of the church, which is a beautiful, kind of silly, but equally beautiful explanation um, that's really kind of been sitting on my heart as well. And to just give yourself permission to, to feel these things, but to again, know that they don't justify or label or explain where you're at or where someone else is. 
Um, I went to school in Baton Rouge for the first two years of my college experience, and then I transferred back um, here to Lake Charles, and we have a phenomenal and incredible, I really can't brag on our diocese enough and all that they offer our people, truly, it's it's wonderful, but the Catholic Newman Center on campus um, was really starting to thrive. Um, Awakening Retreats are a college retreat that is incredible, and I believe started at McNeese State University in Lake Charles and has since spread across the country, and it's something that our Um, Newman Center actually hasn't had in a long time. And about the time that I transferred back, our Newman Center was picking this retreat back up and getting it off the ground. And um, just shout out, if anyone is listening and you are a part of Awakening being reestablished at McNeese State University, um, I'm only one person who's attended. And I know that y'all are up to like 10 or 11 retreats, maybe even more, since you have re-jump-started this. And it is truly impacting the hearts of college kids on that campus. And so I just want to shout out to you guys and say, I applaud you, and I personally thank you for my experience and um, the way I encountered Jesus on that retreat that weekend. But the Newman Center is packed with different personalities. Um, Lots of girls there kneel to receive communion. Lots of the girls, I should say women, there um, are wearing their veils. And there were even girls who... When you would speak to them, you could almost hear their spirituality when they talked and even when they would listen. So for instance, I would be sharing or or talking with someone and sharing, you know, whatever it is, whether it's college experiences, personal experiences, whatever. And as they would listen, they would, mm, mm-hmm. oh, yes, mm, praise Lord. Mm, thank you, Jesus. Oh, amen. And as they would utter these these utterances, I, in the back of my head, I'm like, that is distracting. You're interrupting me, sort of. Um, it, it's proving that you're a good listener, but like, it felt very reverent in a place that maybe I wasn't expecting reverence to be. And what were they being reverent towards? My heart, my story, my testimony, my feelings, whatever it was I was sharing. And I interpreted it from maybe a bitter place in my heart, an insecure spiritual place in my heart, an intimidated place in my heart as it being holier than thou. And instead of leaning into that and saying, I want people to feel loved and heard and feel the reverence in my being when they speak, how do I become like them and befriending them and saying, I want to be like this. I want to surround my people I want to surround myself with people who are like this. Instead, I stopped going to the Newman Center because I was drinking a lot in college. I was partying a lot in college. I had friendships that were not really good for me in college. I was going through breakups in college. I was experiencing all the craziness of college, and I didn't feel reverence towards myself. And so to hear someone else be respectful and reverent towards me was uncomfortable because I didn't know how to be reverent and respectful towards me. I hope that makes sense. There's also some listeners who have shared with me that when you go to someone's social media account, so um, I would say for my generation and younger, social media is very poppin'. I don't even know what the <laughs> what the um, hip terminology is anymore because I'm just not there. But it is their primary source of friendship and connection and community in a lot of ways. And they've said that they go to their friends' accounts and. Um, You know, I'll just go ahead and read some of the things that they shared me from some accounts that they follow. 
Of course, I'm going to maintain their um, privacy and who these people are. I personally don't know any of them, but these are some of the Instagram, I guess it's called a heading that kind of is your like short intro of, about who you are and what your account is about. And these are some of the things that were screenshotted and shared with me that made other people feel maybe judgmental, maybe intimidated, maybe insecure, whatever it is. So these are some of the things that were shared. Loves Jesus and Jesus loves you. Yeah, you. If anything, I hope you see Jesus. Dallas Baptist, whoop, whoop, left my life, then I found it. And to tell that story is to tell of him. Anything good you see in me, it's just Jesus. Everything I do, it's all for him. Life is a gift and God is a good giver. Ask me about my God, I love to share. So those are just like some examples of what college kids are saying and sharing and posting as they're quick intro to who they are. Again, as someone who was in college, maybe going through a rough patch, that would have been like them waving a flag of their holiness. And it would have really made me insecure. I also want to present the other side that maybe, just maybe, these people do have a genuine connection with Christ and they do want to engage with you. And they do want to share about the wonderful things that God is doing in their lives. Maybe it's an attention thing. Again, this comes back to people's intentions. And so beyond social media, maybe in your own personal church that you attend, whether you are Catholic or Baptist or uh, Methodist or non-denominational, whatever religion you are, I'd be willing to bet that at least one time in your life, you have entered into a spiritual space as a community and felt insecure in where you're at. And I want to just bless you and pray over you that you know that you are a child of God and you are on a journey with him, hopefully holding his hand and consulting him every step of the way. Even in the moments where you may not be doing that, you know that he has not left your side, that he is just walking behind you, witnessing this life that's unfolding before you and looking for ways to improve it and to love you through whatever it is that you're encountering. I want to open this concept to you and, and invite you to make room in your heart and in your mind that anytime you feel these insecurities or you want to step out and try something new in your faith, it's not a reflection of who you are and where you are, but let it be a reflection of Jesus and who he is and where he is. The scripture says, let our souls magnify the Lord. And I've mentioned that I hope somewhere in my obituary it's written because it's true to where my life was and what that's looked like. But let the way that you live out your spirituality reflect Jesus. Look not inward, but to Jesus. Open your heart to what he wants to do. Open that line of communication. This is a little bit shorter of an episode, and I think that's wonderful. My last one went a little long, so I'm going to go ahead and just close in prayer and um We'll go ahead with that. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, you are our friend. You love us so infinitely, um, so much that you died on the cross for us. Today, on Good Friday, you gave up your soul. You gave up your very being. You, you turned to God the Father in your time of struggle, your time of distress, your time of agony and pain. You looked to your Heavenly Father Remind us that in our moments of insecurities, in our moments of pain, in our moments of struggle, that we too use your example by looking to God the Father as a mentor, as a heavenly Father that loves us. Jesus, again, you gave your life for us. 
Help us to not live our spirituality as a way to reflect who we are, but to reflect who you are in our lives and what you have done for us. I pray in a special way, a blessing of boldness, a holy boldness over everyone who is listening, that they be inspired by your Holy Spirit to speak when you call them to speak and to be silent when you call them to be silent, Lord, that you encounter them and you let them know that you have not left their sides. That in whatever way you want their spiritual journey to unfold, that they yield to that, that they embrace that, and that, again, their lives just magnify who you are and what you can and have done in their lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, uh, listen to me, Jesus. He's still on my mind. Listeners, (laughs) thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Making Room with me, your host, Marley Martin. I recently found out that we've got some amazing listeners from Florida and as well as Arizona. I actually know of one lady, Miss Betty, who has... Um, been listening and said that she wishes I would post more episodes a lot sooner because she's just so enjoying my podcast. So Miss Betty, if you are listening to this, I just want to say thank you for your support. Thank you for allowing me to be vulnerable with you on your walks. Um, and I promise I'm doing the best I can to get these out. I'm a mama too. I've got a job and I've got my family life. But um, to be honest, I had a podcast prior to this and I put a lot of pressure on myself to have a schedule on when I posted and it really kind of became more about me and how it would appear and make me, uh, sorry, make me appear and, um, you know, that I was organized and I was prompt and I feel like for me personally, I've been able to just say, God, this is your podcast. When you give me a prompting, when you want people to hear something, give me the title, give me the topic and I don't show up to these recordings for my podcast with notes or anything like that. I truly just open my mouth and let the Holy Spirit move me to speak to you guys. And so, Miss Betty, I appreciate you. I love you. I hope you are marching on on your walk today and I just adore you and appreciate so much spending this time with you and I promise that I'm doing my best to get out there and um, talk to you every chance I can. I just love this so much so thank you for that. Um, Again this is another episode with me your host Marley Martin. I hope you have a wonderful and blessed Good Friday, a rest of the Holy Week, just immersing yourself in the love of our Lord and have a beautiful and fulfilling Easter Sunday when our Lord comes out of the tomb and defeats death and sin for us. God bless.